actually say the words, I confess Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And uh, we are looking at a similar confession this morning in uh, Luke chapter 9. Uh, Jesus, it's important that we know um, who Jesus is. Um, Jesus was praying that his disciples would uh, truly grasp uh, who Jesus is. And so let's look at this in uh, Luke chapter 9. We're going to start with verse 18 this morning. And in confessing Christ, I'll be talking about what this means. As we confess Jesus as Lord, uh, what do we do with that? What does Jesus expect with that? Verse 18, And now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, but others say Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, The Christ of God. And he strictly charged them, charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in all his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. And I'm going to change my... Jesus posed a question, and before he posed the question, he was praying. We don't know what he was praying, but he was probably praying, God, help them to understand, help them to grasp who I am. And then he asked the question, who do people say that I am? And Peter pipes in, he's kind of the spokesman for the, for the 12, and he said, well, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and maybe one of the prophets of old has risen. Um, and, uh, and that was the thought then. But what's the thought today? Who is Jesus? Because a lot of people are asking that question. And some people think that Jesus is just a myth, that he's just kind of been made up in people's minds that he really never existed. But if you look at history, if you look at the Gospels, uh, th these are real-time historical events taking place. He uses real people from history. Um, in fact, I've heard people say, scholars say, that there's more evidence of Jesus having walked on, the, on, on planet Earth than Julius Caesar. Now, no one denies that Julius Caesar ever lived. 
He's obviously a historical figure, but there is more evidence of Jesus having been alive than Julius Caesar. Jesus was a real person, but some think he's just fiction. Others think that, well, he was a good moral teacher, but he certainly wasn't God. And I just want to read a quote from um, C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity. It's a quote that is often used when looking at the person of Christ. And uh, C.S. Lewis talks about the fact that, that Jesus didn't give us any room to just call him a good moral teacher. And this is what he says. He says, I am trying to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of a man with whom he sa- who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil himself. You make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great man, uh, being a, about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. And as we've been walking through the book of Luke, Luke is making very clear to us Jesus's divinity. We see that Jesus forgives sin. Jesus has power over demons. He has power, authority over nature and disease. He has authority over even death. Jesus has all authority. And so Jesus poses the question to the disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter says in verse 20, the Christ of God. Now, what does Peter mean by Jesus being the Christ of God? When he uses the word Christ, this is the Greek term for the the Hebrew title Messiah. Peter is saying, you are. You are the anointed one, Jesus. You are the one that we have been anticipating from the Old Testament. You are the one who is going to sit on David's throne and reign forever. You have come to set up your kingdom. And this is what Peter and this is what the rest of the disciples are believing. That uh, Jesus is here to establish his throne here and now. And even though this is a short-term sacrifice, as far as the disciples go, they've left their family, they're following Jesus, they know, they, they believe in their heart that there is going to be great dividends in just a little while. 
because they're going to rule and reign with Jesus. And Rome will no longer have authority and dominion over their land. And Jesus says, well, if you look at um, Matthew chapter 16, uh, Peter's confession, uh, Jesus says, Peter, you're right. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. But then he says something very peculiar. He says, now don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. You're the Messiah. Why can't we go out and shout it from the mountaintops now? And Jesus is about to reel, reveal what his ultimate mission in his first coming is all about. He did not want this to get out among the Jews because if the Jews understood that he was the long-awaited Messiah, they would have tried to force him into becoming the military political leader that they needed to subdue the Roman government. And that was going to be a huge distraction from what Jesus had come to accomplish. And so we see in our text that from in verse 22, Jesus announces for the very first time what his ultimate mission is. Jesus is going to foretell of his death. And this is what he says in verse 22. The son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised from the dead. Jesus's path journey to the kingdom of God was going to go through rejection, suffering, and death, and then ultimately the resurrection. And when the disciples heard those words, it didn't even register on their radar. Okay, they're thinking Jesus is coming to rule now. He is the Christ of God. He is the Messiah that's going to reign today. And Jesus says, guys, that's not going to that's not going to be the way it happens. I'm going to experience rejection, suffering and death. I am deliberately going to establish my kingdom Not through a political party, not through legislation. No, I am going to establish my kingdom through an instrument of death, the cross. This was a surprise to the disciples. But as you read the Old Testament, it's not a surprise in the Old Testament. And there are hints of what the Messiah is going to go through. You see in Psalms, you you see in the book of Isaiah. It's in your handout this morning. You can look at those later. But what Jesus is saying, before I receive the glory, there is going to be suffering. And my friends, suffering always precedes glory. Before there could be a resurrection, there first had to be a crucifixion. And Jesus is saying the path to God's kingdom will not be circumvented 
around the cross. If you want to experience the kingdom of heaven, Christian, you've got to be willing to journey through the cross. Now, as Peter, and Peter was the spokesperson for the disciples, as Peter confessed that Jesus was the Christ, the Christ of God, they weren't thinking in terms of suffering. They were thinking about his glory and their own personal glory for following him. But my friend, if you want to experience the presence and the glory of God in your life, Jesus says, you've got to be willing to follow me. What does it mean to confess Jesus as your Lord and your Savior? Verse 23. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. If you want to follow, be a follower of Jesus Christ, my friend, and if you're a person who claims to confess Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, Jesus says you've got to be willing to deny yourself, to die to yourself and live for him. That's what it means to carry a cross. Now, now what's a cross? Crosses are not difficulties alone. Difficulties for the sake of Christ are crosses. My friend, if you have a difficult mother-in-law in your life today, that's not a cross. If you have a difficult boss that's just making your life miserable That's not a cross. Now, if you're being persecuted because of your faith in Jesus Christ in the workplace, then yes, that could be a cross. Last Sunday night, we we heard just a little bit about the cross that Garen and Susan are having to carry daily. You heard it in their voice as they had been talking about the last year of their life. It's been the longest year of their life. A lot of trials. They've given up a lot. They've, had to, they've say, said goodbye to the people that they've loved the most. And what may just have felt like us is like yesterday when they said goodbye has been the longest year of their life. And you could hear it in their voice. I mean, they were just at the edge where they're... they're Their voice was broken. They were broken. But they were trusting God. That's what it means to carry a cross. And they are a perfect example. And Jesus' words, Jesus' words were painful back then. I mean, they weren't popular then. And they certainly aren't popular today. We live in a very self-centered, self-indulging um, selfish society. And when we hear Jesus' words or read that we've got to die to ourselves, um, that's not very popular. 
And yet those who are followers of Christ, Jesus intends for us to follow in his path. The end of this month, uh, the last Sunday of this month, don't miss that service. Uh, John Biok, he is a church planting uh, pastor in Myanmar. He's been at our at our church before. He's going to be preaching in our services that Sunday. But um, Myanmar is one of the top tier countries in the world where they persecute believers. I mean, he he works with pastors, Christians, who are persecuted every single day. They've lost homes. They, they've lost jobs. They've had to move because they've been kicked out of their, their community because of their claim for Christ. I mean, those who follow Jesus in Myanmar are serious believers. They carry their cross daily. In this culture, we don't understand in many ways what that's like. But Jesus says, for those of you who are going to follow me, this is what I expect. Is that your concept of the kingdom of God? If we had asked Peter what his concept of the, of the kingdom of God was when Jesus says, who am I? This isn't what he was thinking about. This is what they would ultimately come to realize and follow in. But is that your concept of the kingdom of God? We can't afford to live around the cross. In following Jesus, our lives must go through the cross. And we, we got a taste of that a little bit last Sunday. You know, I take flack. Some others take flack because we do be the church on Sunday. But it's an opportunity for us to just give up our our preferences of worshiping the way we are uh, familiar with, of worshiping on Sunday morning in in a um, in a in an air conditioned building. All the modern comforts. We do away with those preferences and we choose to worship God by serving others. You know, and last week we came together, we did church out in the community, but we got sweaty. Some of you are into some really dirty jobs, but we just, we loved, we loved Jesus by serving others last week. It's a little bit about what it's like to pick up our cross and follow him. You know, Jesus got in trouble by doing good things on the Sabbath. He chose to heal people. And as a result, he got in trouble by the religious establishment. But bottom line, folks, in following Jesus, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about being available to him and doing whatever is required, however difficult it, it is, to bring glory and honor to him. And we did good things last week. And as a result of doing good things, guess what? 
people glorified God. Jesus wants us to pick up our cross and follow him. This cross, this cross was offensive to Jews. This was a death instrument. It would be like Jesus telling us today, pick up your electric chair and follow me. You know, when we think of a cross today, we've made it a beautiful piece of jewelry and we're proud to wear it around our necks. But when the Jews heard cross in the New Testament, they thought, how insulting. This was a symbol of being perked cursed by God in the Old Testament. They had watched their their friends and loved ones or Jews be crucified, literally crucified on a cross by roadsides. This cross symbolized people who were thieves, who were, um, who were sinners, who were the absolute worst. That's what the cross symbolized. And Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you need to be willing to pick up that instrument of death. Why? Because you've got to be willing to die to your own selfish desires and live for me. That's what it means to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. And so my question to you this morning is what cross is Jesus wanting you to carry? Is there somebody that you need to go to and ask for forgiveness Your testimony, your life has been a stumbling block to somebody else. They haven't seen Jesus in you. Is there somebody you need to apologize to? Is there somebody you need to forgive? And maybe that person isn't coming to you for forgiveness, but you've been holding on to this grudge and, and uh, you, you find yourself in some kind of emotional prison. You can't be yourself around this other individual. And you just need to let go and forgive them and go on. In the men's group, the, some of us that meet on Wednesday night, we're going through um, a 33 study. And uh, there was this uh, one... <clears throat> wasn't a young man. He was probably in his uh, 30s. Uh, He had a stepfather in his life who was very abusive. Uh, His mom remarried when he was about two years old. And uh, he remembers growing up probably around four is when it started. His dad would take him into the bathroom, fill up a bathtub full of water, and take the back of his head and force his head down underneath the water. And he would have to hold his breath. And it was it was a terrifying ordeal. And it repeated over and over again through the years. And he would think to himself, if I can just count to 25, hold my breath and counting to 25, I'll be able to breathe again. 
Well, there was one day, he said he was about seven years old, where dad put his head under the water and he was counting beyond 25 and he had to breathe and he started gasping for air. And the last thing he, well, the first thing he remembers is laying on the floor on his, on his back, looking up and his dad staring at him in his, in his, in his face. His dad had resuscitated him. And his dad, as his dad is getting up, he looks at his stepson and says, And remember, boy, I gave you the breath of life. That was the environment that he lived in. This young man came to Christ. And he had heard that his stepdad was in the hospital and was dying. And he felt a very strong word from the Lord that he needed to go see his dad. And in that hospital room, God gave him the grace to forgive his father. That was the cross that he had to bear. And he forgave his dad. And the young man said that God just released all the burden and the bitterness and the bondage of my past off my shoulders. And I was able to tell my dad, my stepdad, I love you. And I was able to hear my stepdad say to me for the very first time, I love you too, son. But that was someone who was willing to carry that cross as painful as it was. Are you here this morning and you confess the name of Jesus? In confessing the name of Jesus, don't think, well, in following Jesus, it's going to be all about my convenience. That God's just going to give me a wonderful marriage and wonderful children and enough money in the bank account and life is going to be good. No, that's not what following Jesus is about. Jesus says, any who desire to come after me must be willing to deny himself and pick up his cross. And follow me. That's the way the world is going to be changed. It's not going to be because of some political party that's in office or some kind of legislation that's going to go our way. No, the world will be transformed when Christians understand that the first will be last. That slavery to Christ leads to freedom. That in order for me to be strong, I must first be willing to become weak. That I have to lose my life for his sake that it might be found. Folks, when we have that attitude in our heart, God will use us. And people will see our good works and glorify our Father 
who is in heaven. What cross does Jesus want you to carry? Let's pray. Is there some difficult thing for the sake of Christ, for the cause of Christ, you need to do this week? Maybe you're here this morning and and there's this conviction about finances. And God wants you to trust him with the tithe. Are you being obedient? Are you seeing that 10% as belonging to him and not to you? Are we willing to give it up for his sake? that the kingdom might be expanded or God's ministries might be resourced. I don't know what act of obedience God's leading you to do this week, but I want to encourage you to carry the cross not grudgingly, or reluctantly, but embrace the cross like Jesus embraced the cross for you. We do it because of what Jesus did for us. He wants us to follow in his steps. Father, you've been talking to me this week. I am a very selfish self-centered, self-seeking individual. God, help me to die to me and to live for you. And I pray that you would help those here in this service this morning who confess you as Lord and Savior, that, Father, they would carry the cross that you've asked them to carry. Not reluctantly, not bitterly, but appreciatively for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name.